Hello and welcome to Should You Watch, a podcast from Chats, a television podcast where I, Alan, and my stalwart, Knight of the Table, Magellan, talk about television and whether or not you should add it to your queue because it's new and it's airing and we watched it and we have thoughts about it and we watched it in chunks and we're going to tell you about the chunks and that's the fucking <laughs> premise of the podcast. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi, Magellan. Hi. Hey, you know, I, I could I get your ear for a second? Here you go. I was just thinking, you know, you're looking for a new co-host for the podcast. And, yeah. uh, you know, have you considered my darling son? <laughs> we have talked before. <laughs> Hold on. How old is your son? Don't tell me he's like, as long as he's not a pre- like a preteen or younger, that's fine. I'll definitely say yes. Is he younger than 13? Uh, three years old. Uh, all right. It, but I do need a co-host. I really need a. Co- mm, we'll talk. We'll He's... talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. Whispers to the audience. We're not gonna talk. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I wish there were like turns to the audience in House of the Dragon as if it was House of Cards, but you can't have what? two house shows and a house, of course. <laughs> <laughs> she Hulk has a turns has turns to the audience and they're really annoying because it feels like they just want it to be flipped. Wait, back. really? Yeah, that's the thing in the She Hulk comics. Okay, okay. Shield okay. is is fine. I I think it's like surprisingly good. They don't know how to write a legal drama though. But they literally have said that they're like, we never knew how to write a legal drama, so we made a comedy instead. Uh, uh got it. Anyways, we're not here to talk about She Hulk. We are. I'm doing the Doctor Strange hands, even though we're not in the MCU tonight, folks. That's really exciting. I, <laughs> why? What are you emoting that those? It's like the Spider Man hand, right? But kind of. Flat or like the Italian forward. or like the I'm a speaking Italian like racist hand motion. I'm doing that where like my <laughs> fingers are pinched. Uh-huh. I this it's complicated. Regardless, I almost said regardless in Arabic. What's going on? Wait, do that. Muhim el muhim. Like it's not okay. That's <laughs> anything. Cool. Regardless, folks, we are here to talk about two currently airing television shows that are. All over the internet, there's so much discussion of them. They're both coming from the legacy of long-running fantasy series, and they are both prequels to said fantasy series set thousands of years in the past to protect the writers and creators, or hundreds in the case of one of them, uh, to protect them from overly referencing the the present, but also they still do a little bit of it. And if you haven't guessed already... We're talking about HBO's House of the Dragon, the prequel to Game of Thrones and uh, George R. R. Martin's The Song of Ice and Fire. And we're also talking about Amazon Prime's The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Yeah. Now, you may be thinking, but Alan and Magellan, don't you guys usually talk about a whole season of TV on this? No, hold on there, Jimmy. <laughs> what the hell? Huh? Okay, Jimmy, I don't... Just wait a second. We'll just explain. hold on. Jimmy, stop. Relax. Relax. Jimmy. Wait, Jimmy. This person named Jimmy listening to our podcast is scared right now. Stop it, Jimmy. Rings of Power has aired four episodes as of this recording. The fifth episode would have aired uh, tomorrow. Uh, but because of our recording timeline, we wanted to do just the sort of halfway through the season check-in. Because Rings of Power is going to be eight episodes. House of the Dragon is going to be ten. And House of the Dragon has aired five. So mm-hmm. we're basically hitting both of these from their exact halfway point. Yep. To talk about what we think, what we feel. And then we're actually going to come back next month and conclude these discussions. Yep. In a part two uh, about how these, these these shows conclude their first seasons. Yeah. Um, so let's start by talking about House of the Dragon, yeah? Yeah, I'm kind of curious before... Well, do you want to do this at the 
And uh, like, there is. <sighs> Where do I start? <laughs> hey, this everybody, is, welcome to this Should is you watch. like <laughs> this is like a Bugs Life ants kind of thing where it's Whoa. like, okay, why are these both, so similar and they're coming out why at the same time? Are, and they're coming out at the same time. Is there some production thing happening there? Is it totally coincidental? Can we like pathologize this and do some psychoanalysis of our society, (laughs) or is that a reach? Do you want to like kind of have that comparative discussion now or at the end after we talk about both? I think it's worth just addressing. I kind of want to be like that creepy TikTok guy and say like, "There's no such thing as a coincidence." And then the girl walks Uh by and she screams. You know the one? Um, I think so. I don't (laughs) actually know. I'll show Uh it to you later then. there is no such thing as a coincidence. I have to imagine one of these shows was like scheduled first and the other one said, oh, you know what would be good is if we had both of these at the same time, which is mm-hmm. troubling when you're watching both week to week uh, because they're both pretty dense and they're like really similar in some ways. But um, what I'm excited about is the fact that they have like fundamentally different aspects to them that make them both like different enough if you actually watch them. Like from the surface, right, yeah, right. prequels, Regard well regarded fantasy series, uh, you know, but also references the present a lot. That is mm-hmm. both of these, but they're doing completely different things. And yeah, that's the like tones are the tones are very different. Yeah, and they're yeah trying to do different things, and they're drawing on source material that, um, both the book source material is different, and the like kind of preceding visual media. Mm-hmm. It is different as well. So yeah, they they feel different enough from each other, but it certainly is a little strange to be like, well, I guess we should do a should you watch episode about both of the yeah. <laughs> big and why they're both coming out fantasy together. prequels. Yeah, we really should have done a should you watch on the Dark Crystal prequel. I mean, we did do a we did do a Patreon episode about that, so it's been covered. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to our Patreon. Anyways, let's start with let's start with House of the Dragon. Let's let's crunch, yeah. Let's get into a little bit of a crunch. yeah. Let's crunch. Let's crunch. So let's talk about our our backgrounds with got before we talk about hot D or a soyaf specifically. I have a bit of a history with a, a song of ice. Oh, song of ice. Of course, a soyaf. Yeah, a soyaf. Side, a soyaf. A soyaf, dude. dude. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. So. <laughs> We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the first episode and kind of the setup of the show. We'll talk about the first five, mm-hmm. and then we'll go to Rings of Power and do the pilot, and then the first few episodes. And you'll get timestamps in the show notes for all that stuff. What's your um, history with A Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, and the George R. R. Martin universe? So I have not read the the books necessarily, um, or at all, uh, quite literally speaking. The show, when did, what year did the show start? Game of Thrones? 2010. 2011. So it started when we were in high school. Yes. And the kind of first rumblings of it happened then. And I think I just didn't have a way to access it because it was on HBO. Um, so I missed the, the starting of Game of Thrones. And then by the time I was in college, people were doing like weekly uh, watch parties in the dorm lounge when a new episode would air and yeah. uh i didn't go to those because i was too cool to like the popular thing um and it was not until several years later that i watched any game of thrones and i've now mm-hmm. seen kind of a scattered handful of 
episodes a few from the first season some bigger ones from later in the show mm-hmm. um and uh it's pretty what i've seen is pretty good i kind of wish i had watched it when it was coming out so that i could have been part of the zeitgeist and could have seen it uh but i have not seen very much of it and i was never really a game of thrones person that's fair. We're coming at this from opposite perspectives in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Very much uh-huh. so. I, I was all the way down the hole. Um, first of all, I do want to talk about like the legacy of, of the Game of Thrones as a TV show and how it has affected the production of TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, but when did it, it ended last year, two years ago? 2020. When did it end? 2020. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember all the way back watching uh the totally rad show and uh Stop jeff canada was like these books Don't that i really f- like are getting made into an oh, hbo oh show oh my god it's called game of thrones and i think it's gonna blow up you guys and i was like that seems stupid i don't want to watch a fantasy show and then i did and then i and this is so 2011 y'all i and also like i'm in high school and don't have a job uh i pirated the first season as it like was finishing airing Burned uh-huh. it onto CDs and would bring it to my friend's house on CDs and make I them watch those it. CDs, yeah, yeah. I had I had most of the first season on on seed on like DVDs, which was great. And I like got a lot of my friends into it. And then we st- and then Why did you I have like me into it because you were always busy. You were busy being sad in college. That's the sound of gunshots. No, I don't know. You were we were also watching Buffy together. We had enough TV to talk about together. This is during um, college or during high school? I would say the biggest, like, the swell was during college. Yeah, I don't know the, why these you didn't piratings. Get these piratings. I don't know why you weren't involved in those. I have no idea. Maybe you were, I don't know what you were doing in 2011, besides hanging out with me. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I guess we'll never know. What I guess we'll now. never know. Throw that thought in the garbage. Don't uh, bring yeah. that up in therapy later. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a lot of it. I had a I have a friend uh in from college who like this was like the the center of our friendship was talking about Game of Thrones every week and watching it and like rapidly discussing it every week. Mm-hmm. Uh was I was in the trenches, I was on Twitter. This is to the point of like why I don't think you would have loved being in the fandom is like being online during true, Game of Thrones true, true. meant like People were so, so free with spoilers back then that it was like mm. this show like invented TV, uh, Twitter becoming useless during TV premieres. Like this was the show that did that for me. Uh, so I just mm. was super frustrated by that and like had a ton of stuff spoiled for me. Um, at some point in season two and three, I read all of the books. I own all uh, five of them that have been released so far. Um, I remember reading the last one. Uh, like the year it came out, like tw- yeah, 20, 2012 or 2013. I saw probably like a year or two after it came out. And I was like, great, I love this. And then they kept going, and the show kept going and going and going. And then it famously burned a lot of goodwill in its last season by yes. being a cobbled together mess of George R. R. Martin's notes from an unfinished manuscript uh, and kind of concluded as one of the clunkiest finales ever known. And uh, as a result, there was like so much bad blood towards the franchise for a while. So to the point, just to get into our, our, our series here, I think House of the Dragon is sort of the franchise's attempt to apologize and to restart this franchise mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know it's first of all just just describing where it's coming from it's a prequel uh it's an entirely new cast and it's based on a material that yes has been written and finished most importantly so mm-hmm. started and finished martin has written out this entire conflict and knows where it's going to go he's still consulting on this series in a different uh amount but they have a finished thing to work from 
and uh you know we'll talk about how how that succeeds but that was something i was really worried about getting like leading up to this with all the trailers and whatnot was like damn hbo really wants another game of thrones like they want another conversation television very badly right and i do too i miss that you know (laughs) but like you just can't do that in 2022 you can't make that specific bit of alchemy happen where like everybody i know is talking about the same show at least i thought that and then before the first episode aired uh i was on an amtrak or this is like the weekend that it aired i was on amtrak coming back from visiting you and i remember the bus driver or the 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 amtrak driver rather he said uh you know there was like some noise or like some smell on the train because of like brakes and he goes uh ladies and gentlemen just letting you know that the smell is actually just the brakes you have nothing to worry about just a reminder that Game of Thrones is coming back tonight. You you guys can just watch that and have a good time. Nah. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're back. That was like the moment. I was like, we're going to oh, do wow. it. Wow. So that was me leading into that for, into the pilot. Uh, all, long yeah. way to say that I have a deep attachment to the franchise, even though I'm positive um, George R. R. Martin is not going to finish these books. Or if he does, they're going to be even messier somehow. And uh, I did read as well the um, book the the prequel short story version the princess and the queen which this series is partly based on mm-hmm. so that's that's what we got yeah. start with the pilot yeah let's do it um and i'll just say i also have heard way more people talking about this show than i have not heard anybody talk about rings of power <laughs> i'll just say that fascinating yeah uh except for uh roommate of the pod charlie who's a huge lord of the rings fan and not big on that show necessarily oh, we'll, talk, um, we'll talk but i've had people at work say like are you watching that new dang i wasn't really a game of thrones person but i'm liking it or i overheard someone on the train talking about like yeah i like watching tv i'll watch you know friends and whatever and then she was like to whoever she was with like oh are you watching the new house of the dragon show i like that too like it's like permeated the yeah. zeitgeist it is i think here. i wonder people if it's more it. like if it's more like we'll never get a show like that again, or if it's also we're just older and like the way people talk about TV in their late twenties and thirties is different than like I'm in college and I have nothing to do except go to class and watch TV. Mm. Uh, so I think that that is like an element of that too. Like maybe younger people are like waiting. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's hit the same groundswell. And it's also early. Like game of Thrones this early in its in its run was not a household name as much it was it did extremely mm-hmm. well but it was not like the fucking nuclear missile that it eventually became but let's start with this pilot yeah yeah let's do it 172 years before the birth of daenerys targaryen an internal succession war within house targaryen begins at the height of its power uh is our sort of elevator pitch for this right uh how does a how does a war begin? What are the rumblings of conflict? Why is it called House of the Dragon if we know from paying attention to history that they don't have as many dragons later on? What happened is the core right. mystery in House of the Dragon. How did you feel coming into the pilot with with less experience knowing all of that? Um so I had to verify with you like okay, how far back is this because there are kind of like cinematography choices in the pilot that are meant to wink at you like, hey, remember Game of Thrones? And I was asking you, okay, are these people that I know or what's going on? And what you were saying is, nah, it's just saying like, hey, we're the same world. Oh, this blonde young girl's getting off of a dragon. Remember Daenerys? 
Mm-hmm. That saying that's you remember? Just saying. Um, and I think the show actually ends up being really successful at what it's trying to do, which is it's trying to make very clear this is Game of Thrones and you don't need to know anything about Game of Thrones at all. Yeah. You are welcome here. You can pretend like you are a part of this thing because all you got to know is everything that you knew tangentially from people talking about this all the time. There's houses. They are not happy with each other. They want power. They're playing the Game of Thrones still in their way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up enjoying the show, especially by the second episode, because it was pretty legible to me once I was told that I wasn't expected to know anything. Yeah, once you could um, let yourself stop stressing about that. Right. And then every thing that I did know felt like, oh, I'm I'm such a genius. Like the th- like the thing with the dragons and being like, wait, wasn't it a big deal that they like found a dragon's egg or something in yeah. Game of Thrones? This is interesting. I know that that's something that I should watch. Or like, did that guy just say that he's a Baratheon? The hell? Does that matter? I, I know that guy. I, I know Baratheons. What you're mm-hmm. you're a freaking Lannister? The hell? What are you doing here? Okay, all right. So, uh, it was a pretty welcoming show, and it does a good job of being a good TV show. Mm-hmm. In quotes, capitalize all those words. Some net. So I, I'm gonna make a compliment sandwich. I'll make. I'll do some good and then some bad, and and go right back into the good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this first episode really made me miss appointment television. I was like, I want to talk about this with people and I want to say like, did you catch that Easter egg? Did you catch like, you know, the, that, that guy in the background or the fact that like the dad, uh, King Viserys is making, um, the model that is probably going to be what's in the intro of game of Thrones, like the model of the seven kingdoms. Mm. Uh, like he's, he's building that model over time. And I'm Mm. like, that's not so cool. I want to talk about that. It like made me happy. Um, but then I remembered like, Tuning into a one of these types of shows is like buying into a slower paced, very dark, talky drama. And like uh-huh. I can buy into that really easily because like I watched Game of Thrones for almost a decade. Mm. Wow, that's hard to say. Wow, that's basically true though. Uh and I like these actors. I love Matt Smith. I love Millie Alcock. I love Patty Cosendine, mm-hmm. the guy who plays the king. Like, I like these people. So I can get into this, but I wondered often, like, is are people just going to bounce right off this? Like, there isn't too, too, too much, like, to chomp into in this pilot besides, like, mm-hmm. all right, these people seem like they don't like each other, but maybe they'll get over it. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I you know, I think um, Charlie made a good point. I was talking to him about this show, and he was saying that his frustration with it is it's a show that kind of just wants to give you the stuff on the tin of like, this is a fantasy drama. Like there's violence and there's like sex and there's a big fight or like, Oh my God, this thing's happening. It's It's like that kind of stuff. And it loses a bit of the stuff that makes the George R. R. Martin books special from what I understand, which is like, 
And then they ate a delicious five course meal. And let me tell you all about the food. And like, here's some things that these characters really care about a lot. And like Game of Thrones, I think, does a good job of having a wider ensemble, sometimes to its detriment from what I've seen. And like putting you in on different levels of the like hierarchy of this world. Like, okay, you're going to kind of follow some folks who are maybe closer to the ground. You're going to go to King's Landing and see who's in power right now. You're going to go all the way over here to this totally different part of the of Westeros. And now you're going to get to know these people. Um, and this show, and I think it, this works in the show's favor and also kind of makes it a lesser show in some ways than Game of Thrones. It says like, okay. We're just going to stick with this royal family here in this court, the people that are circling around them, and, like, that's the story. And I think at times what that does for us in a good way is it keeps us in this, like, kind of tightly wound soap opera environment where, oh, my God, can you believe they said this, or we can watch the sort of courtly politics of, well, this guy is framing this in this way and trying to nudge the king. And that was some of my favorite stuff is the sort of intricacies and subtleties of like, everybody's got a motive and they're playing different situations to serve that motive. Um, But what works against it is like, you're always hanging out with these like fancy noble people and you're kind of like, yeah, but like, who else lives here? Like, yeah, all the people that the that the fantasy cops just beat up. Like, I'd like to meet them. Yeah, <laughs> and totally. Be in this world. Um, so I think you know, if you're trying to figure out is this a show that I want to watch, I think crucially you have to ask yourself like, what what do you do, want out of your fantasy? what do you want out of a fantasy show? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a very valid complaint and one that's been levied against the series is that like once again they said, Okay, we're gonna do a song of ice and fire and you're like, Cool, like a big thing about the books was that they're all from different perspectives of different people, but um the majority of those people are nobles or warriors mm-hmm. or knights. Like it's cause it's they want people who do things and mm-hmm. or, or who witness people things happening. Um right. the book that this is based on or the short story that was made into a book it's primarily told via different POVs, not just the main people, but like people who witnessed these events. Um, Cause there's an, a, there's a big scene in a later episode that is like in the book entirely from the perspective of a, um, a bard. And it's like this interesting, like unreliable narrator thing. And you go like, okay, it, it provides a distance from the history of the Targaryens. But as a TV show, like you gotta make the people who are on the poster be the main characters. So, like, I'm actually in this show intimately involved with the with these like this rich family who has just been dominant for, you know, years and years and years. And I'm being told to be sad that, like, you know, the the politicking of having a son and like, I'm going to name my daughter the queen and people are going to be mad about that. And so initially you feel a sort of distance from these characters that the show sets itself up to to try and cross. Uh, But like through most of this pilot, I was like, all right, I don't. Like, I like Matt Smith, but I don't care about Damon Targaryen at all because he's just a, like, shitty rich dude. But, you know, that that ends up, like I said, being the task of the rest of the series 
is this should this this episode lays the table and says here's all these rich people that are like doing sad things and and struggling to figure out like succession and whatnot don't you care about them and right now i'm like eh, i guess so like i was not entirely thrilled by this pilot but i i could see the potential for sure um and i think that there's like like i said not enough can be praised on the performances of the different actors um i think that is what kept me around more than anything else and like how else are they going to reference the stuff that i know mm-hmm. uh side note you said succession just uh-huh. now uh-huh and i mean isn't that what we're dealing with here it's it, it's it's in some ways a fantasy version of succession i haven't watched it but that's what i understand is there's elements of like succession is way funnier <laughs> yeah this, that too that too which makes this these problems bearable right but succession yeah. does the same thing of like you don't ever go like to the people. ground level and you oh, don't yeah, like yeah. and you're not liking these characters um totally yeah and i think where the show can falter sometimes is like you know um main character girl Rhaenyra. Oh Rhaenyra. um Rhaenyra is like wants to be queen and you're like yeah women should be monarchs hold on <laughs> let me check my notes hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, i the, fully like, agree yeah. so let's um well just the last thing i had from this pilot because i want to i want to talk about the show now the rest mm-hmm. of the show i mean uh a couple of things that they set up that I they still haven't necessarily paid off that I'm like curious about. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a bit of like honest to goodness old good old fashioned queer baiting with yep. the relationship between Gavinira <laughs> and Allison. Yep, cowardly. Just make it. Just go just all the way with it. that. And like Come what on. they do with it is frustrating. And we'll talk about the way that they handle their queer characters in about five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is that Game of Thrones is like infamously known for like really gratuitous. Um, sex and rape scenes uh and so like that was the other sort of damocles hanging over this pilot was like are they gonna do it now or gonna do later because in uh in game of thrones it's in the incest is in the pilot so like right how quick like timer until incest you know sucks that that, that's like that's gross to say but that's what that's what we're dealing in so yeah anything else before we zoom out uh, someone's dick gets chopped off in this episode. Yeah, that was kind of fun. He's got they're like the bad cops. It's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about the rest of the first five episodes. Yeah. So you know how I said that they don't handle queer characters super well. Yeah. What if the gay character couldn't shut his mouth and he started a massacre by accident? Oops. Yeah, and he gets murdered. And what if Rhaenyra and Allison are so not together that one of them gets married to the other person's dad? So right. weird. The show goes off the rails fast. Uh-huh. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty fun to watch. I ate it up. I, sw- I devoured the rest of this. Yeah, this was a feast. What a fun time. Terribly Upsetting. everyone's having a bad time <laughs> things are bad things are happening to good people it so early on the first like arc of like episodes two and three is like they set up this crab king plot and you're like huh and i'm thinking like i listen uh every week to the official house of the dragon podcast uh mm-hmm. that hbo uh co-produces and it's pretty mm-hmm. good they do good summaries but they were talking about how in the book the crab king is like literally mentioned but not quote-unquote dealt with it's just like there's a guy calling himself the crab king i don't know that's weird he like makes his crabs eat people's innards and then in this they gave it like two episodes and an entire plot line about like 
are you going to ally with the people fighting the crab king or are you going to protect your borders kind of thing really weird uh but so for like that arc i did think of the crab king and like the fight against him and like the dragon and daemon you know with the dagger like that was all sick uh but then it just ended it was like all right crab king's taken care of we gotta move on and (laughs) you know for a 10 episode season i was like why did we do that what was the purpose of that so like from a plotting perspective i didn't feel like that was super useful even though it, it did increase the stakes of the conflict which they needed Mm, um mm-hmm. but i just wanted more rainier and allison i love these these gals very much i think they're both stellar yeah how did you yeah, feel going into these um stuff like that with the crab king it, it it felt um so i play this board game called the king's dilemma mm-hmm. which i highly recommend i think i've chatted it before um but the way the king's dilemma works is it's a legacy board game where you represent a noble house, you're on the king's court, mm-hmm. and uh, every round of the game is like a generation or a, a, a king or queen or a regent. Uh, and there's a deck of dilemmas that come up, and you have to decide as a group, like, okay, how are we going to rule on this dilemma? You have your own kind of hidden motivations or achievements that you're striving towards that are going to influence how you deal with that uh and then events might add things to the decks that they like continue storylines basically right um and so watching this show it felt exactly like that game where Mm -hmm. like there's these kind of world events um but they don't really matter what matters is they give you a set of motivations for the other characters to have who are on the court and like scheming and stuff and that's and that's fun and it also kind of makes those things feel a little frivolous because you could just make them anything like you could just draw any card and it's like okay this is the situation and this noble guy feels this way and this guy feels that way um and i really enjoyed watching those scenes and now and now that we're talking about the show it's like well thematically what do they amount to you mm-hmm. know what i mean i guess thematically you know it's a show about like who do you serve and who do you trust yeah. um shout out to crusade <laughs> <laughs> always always great show <laughs> i i sorry let me let you finish your point no go ahead um, I think though, like we were talking in that pilot the pilot discussion about like why do we care about these characters and and where that turned mm-hmm. around for me was like uh Rhaenyra is dealing with like actual issues that feel believable and realistic and very human beyond just mm-hmm. like you know it's not just like a teen drama of like I told my best friend that I lost my virginity. It's like there's way more severity to that because quote right. like her losing her virginity like matters to the the politicking that's happening with her with her best right. friend also right and the optics of it being uh the, it almost being with her cousin because like spoilers they do do the her incest uncle. thing yeah. or uncle excuse me i always think he's her cousin uncle but then actually it's with her knight and then that incredible moment where allison is talking to the knight in episode yeah. five, and she's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, I did it. I had sex with her. Mm-hmm. And he, she's like, oh. And so to my point, though, like, 
all of these small scenes are part of a grander history about like how does a war begin and the show doesn't yeah. make that abundantly clear because like if you haven't if you don't like know what's going to happen then you're just like oh these people are like mad at each other and they all hate each other and like what does that amount to but yeah. knowing like the broader picture is that this was a book about the family and not about Rhaenyra it, like the princess and the queen refers to Rhaenyra and Alicent Spoiler, like again that's it's going to mm -hmm. be about the two of them mm -hmm. butting heads and like that's really interesting, but the conflict that matters is a lot bigger. And so these individual scenes of like the hunting party on paper don't really matter in the sense of like what happens doesn't matter. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Lord Viserys barely being able to stab a boar or a stag to death properly means mm -hmm. that like he's getting old. He's not respected as much. And that's why during the wedding scene in episode five, people just like walk in while he's talking because like. That dude's limbs are falling off. We don't care about grandpa anymore. He's a freaking shitty grandpa. <laughs> and so, like, what I'm trying to get at is that all these small scenes are, like, adding up so that when huge things happen, like the wedding in episode five, you're like, I understand everybody's motivations here because I've been paying attention. And they reward right. you for, like, caring about those small, seemingly insignificant little lines and moments. Yeah, they, they do a really good job of making you understand what everybody wants out of each situation and um i agree that i really like the ways that characters have to navigate the the personal things that they want coming into conflict with like the sort of political things that they want you know and sometimes it comes down to like well who am i gonna marry sometimes it comes down to how am i gonna behave or spend my evening or uh, what am I going to say in this place, in this context? How am I going to make this decision? Those are things that are, it's compelling to watch characters navigate those moments where they have to weigh kind of like two desires and figure out which one is the one that's going to win out. And watching characters choose the political over the personal is like a heartbreaking thing to witness. Um, and only makes things more tense and worse for everybody like the moment that really one of the moments that really got me that i thought was so great is in uh, one of the later episodes when allison basically believes rhaenyra's story to the mm -hmm. point that her father gets dismissed he was the king's hand yeah. he gets dismissed and then he's leaving and she's like oh yeah you, amazing you scene. had just like not tried so hard to get your grandson, my son, to be the heir, and then he's like, "Daughter, they're like Rhaenyra is going to become queen and kill your children to shore up her like right to the throne and her her kids' right to the throne." Yeah. So like, don't get mad at me for politicking because you made this uncalculated personal decision and fucked yourself and right. like now the storm is coming and it's raining down on you and your children and that was a moment where i was like hell yeah this is what this show can do uh mm -hmm. that's super awesome to watch and we're gonna be able to talk about that a lot more when we return to the series because a lot yeah. of these conflicts are building towards um we saw in the preview after episode five that it's gonna be a time skip uh, mm -hmm. So, like, these are characters who will live with this bitterness and this worry for, like, a long time. Like, you know, I think it's, like, at mm -hmm. least 10 years. 
Um, because all the actors get replaced, all the primary cast gets replaced. A lot of them do. Um, yeah, which doesn't make sense to me, but I think it's enough years to justify it. But it's also like kind of a cool stunt thing to be like, it's the same people, but we we shuffled them out, and now it's like less weird if they do sex. Yeah, stuff. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's just weird because the show's like, hey, it's Rhaenyra. She's like fourteen or whatever, and then it's like. Ah, just kidding. Now she's eighteen, so we can like do a sex. Yeah, scene. the small time jumps within this these five episodes are weird because they it's the same. It is the same people, so yeah. they they probably needed to shuffle out either more often or not at all. Like I don't know what the solution right. is. Right, because like now it's like, yeah, she's thirty two, so she looks like a totally different person. You're right, like, we can't keep using the same you, actress. Are you sure? Because <laughs> she was a teenager and it was still Millie Alcock before. But okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about that stuff, but like, sorry, just to that, that scene with, um, with Otto and Allison, yeah. I think what works about fantasy and especially with a song of ice and fire is even when we're dealing with like, you know, Rhaenyra's dad is telling her like, oh, there's going to be a prophecy in 10,000 years and the world is going to end and fire and ice are going to combine. Even when we're dealing with that, there are still like human conflicts at the center of the show. Like really what the Allison and Rhaenyra conflicts boils down to is like family versus duty, which is like an actual thing that like I have dealt with. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what are the things mm-hmm. you want to do and how do you want to like support your friends? But how does that come into conflict with like what you need your family to do and what they need to help you do? And, but just like the stakes are 10 times higher because it's a fantasy show and these are all like powerful people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that about it a lot is it has stakes. They're pretty juicy uh the characters get to do really fun stuff uh and you know and then they go ahead and like kill a gay character in episode five and i was really sad yeah which didn't even like didn't even not happen. not only does that fucking suck it also is a worse narrative choice too like because you could have done something with that and this weird tension of i know something you don't want me to know and then they were like, okay, let's kill this character. And also, let's not just kill him, but let's, like, bludgeon his face. Yeah, let's Terrible. pull his eyes out. Terrible. Yeah, the show has been a lot more muted with the, like, extreme gore than Game of Thrones did. Like, at the top of episode five, when Damon kills his wife, we don't see it. We know what happened, and we see it's about to happen, but we don't see it. And, like, that's yeah. pretty, like, uh, held back, considering that, yeah, the end of the episode is, like, a, a bloody goring that happens. And, like, I want to make it clear... It's actually not exclusively a bad thing to kill queer characters in your television. But you introduced him in the same episode you killed him, number one, bad. In just bad writing. Number two, you killed him to motivate another character. Really bad writing. Mm -hmm. Like, just it just felt like a whiff that I don't know how the rest of the series is going to handle, considering that also they set up all this, like, romantic tension between Rhaenyra and Alicent that they also aren't going to handle. Like, there's no Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. And if they do, it's going to be like a long lost lovers thing, which is like kind of played out to me because, mm-hmm. you know, my my favorite moment in these like this this batch of two to five was in episode five when uh, Rhaenyra is talking to her new husband, Lenor, and they're on the beach. And he's like, I have my things and you have yours. Let's agree to do our own thing. But we can still be married and like still do a political marriage. And that's fine. Because that felt like a very much like a, a handing off the torch. Like, even though this is hundreds of years ago, and by the time we get to Game of Thrones, everybody's by, kind of, sort of. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 
it felt like the next generation talking to each other, which was like really satisfying to see. It's like, oh, things can change. We can like have an open relationship, even though we're both like closeted and marrying out of convenience. Uh, mm. And also like Rhaenyra is more closeted in that she's just sleeping with her knight, not that she's sleeping with any women that we know mm-hmm. of. I'm excited to see where all that's going to go. And I think that the stakes are going to escalate hugely going forward. But so far, I'm definitely bought in. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I like it. Yeah, same. I think to the should you watch question, though, just to be brief on this. Uh, if you liked Game of Thrones, like you liked the like early Game of Thrones, like when it was still really good, uh, you'll be able to get through that first episode fine. If you mm-hmm. can get past one and you in just just be aware that the Crab King stuff doesn't particularly go anywhere and you like Rhaenyra and Alicent, then you're good. You got to be bought into the characters, though. You have to give the show a little bit. I always mm-hmm. say that, but you really got to give this show just a little bit, but not as much as some other. I, I think episode two is a is a deciding episode. If you like yeah. episode, episode one is we're setting stuff up. It's kind of slow. It's a little too long. Yeah. If you are enjoying the show by the end of episode two, that's what it is. And if you don't yeah. like it, I wouldn't watch any further mm-hmm. than that, really. Agreed. But we'll be back to, to, to discuss the second half uh, next month. Yeah. Um, before we go, we watched another show, though, Magellan. Yes, we did. We watched The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Now, I only watched the first two of this one. You've seen the first four. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about the pilot, and then we'll talk about uh, the kind of next few episodes. Maybe you can fill me in on a couple things if yeah. they're uh, of, of note. Um, do you have a personal history with Lord of the Rings? What's your deal with that? I read The Hobbit in middle school. I definitely read at least some of the Lord of the Rings books. I just noticed yesterday that I have all three on my shelf, and I forgot that I have them. Uh <laughs> I've seen the movies, but I don't remember anything about them. I would, I'm what you would consider a fair-weather Lord of the Rings fan. I would love to reread mm-hmm. the books. I've heard that they hold up really well, and I want to watch the extended editions all in one day. That's one of my like dream movie-watch things when I have, yeah. you know, my, when I move and can do that. Uh, but I'm not, like, intimately involved with the Lord of the Rings fandom. I appreciate it. I understand what it did for fiction, and I like it, what I've seen of it. But it's never been my particular cup of tea. Mm. What about you? So I also read The Hobbit 
in middle school, probably as I think it was like a summer reading book or something for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was a kid, my dad, maybe there's maybe one summer where he did this, where he would read uh, the fellowship of the ring to me like at night. Aww. So, he'd, you know, yeah, it was very sweet. Um, and if I would kind of doze off or get bored, he would uh, start riffing and putting me into the story, which was always my favorite part. <sighs> That's so I know. sweet. <laughs> Very tender. And the movies were huge when we were young because they came out 2001, 2002, 2003, which nuts. Can, can you imagine <laughs> like such a huge trilogy franchise going boom, boom, boom like that nowadays? Speaking of, speaking of like franchises that changed their mediums, Game of Thrones changed right. television and Lord of the Rings changed, changed blockbuster movies. cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Those were huge when, but we were in elementary school, right? So it's like, they're, we are aware of them. They're giants, and also we're not seeing like, them in theaters. We're not totally seeing them in theaters. They're going over our heads a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I've seen the movies a few times, but I didn't have like a deep attachment to them. I would say nowadays, the thing that I appreciate the most about Lord of the Rings is the sort of like, um, and this is related. This relates to Game of Thrones a bit because. Um, Essentially, Lord of the Rings is just J.R.R. Tolkien wanted to make constructed languages, and then he <laughs> needed a world to put them in. <laughs> like he's like Pretty a true. big linguistics nerd, yes. uh, which is awesome and uh, kind of like a foundational conlanger in the way that it's it's done for some people today mm-hmm. as like a part of world building. Uh, certainly, an inspiration for uh, David J. Peterson, who created the languages for the game of thrones series um yeah and it was fun just as a side note in house of the dragon to see so much high valyrian spoken because that's like a full-on it's a language that david j peterson created for game of thrones um that we got to see hear a lot of in in the show because damon and uh rhaenyra speak high valyrian to each other a lot yeah um so that was cool so i i really like you know, Sindarin, like, what's the deal with that? And and that kind of the lore language stuff from Lord of the Rings. But like, I don't know a lot about it, per se. Yeah, I wanted to come into this. I, I, wa- I came in this like ready to like it because I was like, there's uh-huh. never been a better time for me to get into Lord of the Rings. I'm not too old for it. There's like new stuff coming out. Maybe it'll be a conversation piece. People have Prime Video. They're putting so much money behind this show, like millions and millions and millions of dollars. Because at this point, you can't make a new Lord of the Rings thing without it being high budget. You mm-hmm. know, like we talked about House of the Dragon being like zooming in a little bit more and like reining in both their budget and their storytelling to be less like a world ending battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Lord of the Rings, unfortunately, like if you're going to make a TV show about stuff, just can't do that right now. It doesn't have the like franchise mm-hmm. credit to do that. Not mm-hmm. that it had. I mean, they were like those Hobbit movies like didn't they did fine. I don't know if they did amazingly. Uh mm-hmm. They were very overexpensive for sure. But like there wasn't a ton of hype for this beyond like, wow, it's cool that Lord of the Rings is coming back. And so I wanted to like right. it. Right. Because it doesn't have this background as like a TV event and the Hobbit movies weren't well received. So the last time people were like watching Lord of the Rings thing was 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like nobody's like hungry for Lord of the Rings to come on television necessarily. Yeah. I think my experience watching the show, like, 
It's funny that both of these shows are set in the past of their franchises because it made me think about them partly as period pieces, uh, kind of like in the way that they're sort of winking at you throughout and telling you like it's the past. This is there's past stuff going on here. And they're having to work around the fact that some people watching might know some stuff about them and like how do you reward those people or or whatever. And House of the Dragon kind of feels like the Amadeus approach to period piece where it's like, yeah, we're just going to hype it up and like exaggerate this and tell a dramatic story. And then some boring historian can come along later and tell us that it didn't happen that way or whatever. Right. And hmm. and Rings of Power feels more like a kind of sprawling historical epic that's trying to like bring in all these different characters and places and give the account of a particular period of history or war or something um, in a way that ends up, I think, being a little bit dry mm. just because it's like, uh, who's this? Wait, what? Where are we? And honestly, <sighs> wow. I just thought I just had a really mean thing that I was going to say. I'm going to say, say it. Rings of Power is a great long form advertisement for the one wiki to rule them all. Wow. Because <laughs> you're constantly finding yourself going, who is that? What are they saying? What's this proper noun? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, shit, Galadriel. I remember her from the movies. And then you read about Galadriel Bingo. and you're like, fuck, yeah, Me. Galadriel's awesome. And I would honestly rather read the wiki than watch oh, a ton of God, this. Oh, God. That's show, so man. damning and so true. God damn it. <laughs> I guys, and I'm sorry if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, and if you're a Rings of Power fan, I talk to me. I I'm really open minded. I want to like this show more, but going right into this this pilot, it doesn't. There's just nothing to chop into. It's like <laughs> it's resistant to caring about anything because there's uh-huh. so many plots. They happen so fast that like I feel bad for the actors putting in the like these performances over so much CG and so much makeup and costuming that I'm like I don't even I barely see the human under this. Like this mm-hmm. isn't about pe- I, we. Majon, I love shows about people, and so like mm-hmm. yeah, maybe I went into this like inclined to not like it, but I like I said earlier, I wanted to like it. I truly did. And I, I too, Magellan had the exact same thought in the pilot of like, dope. I know what Sauron is. I know who Galadriel is. She's gonna grow up to be that other, that other older elf. That's Kate sick. Blanchett, yeah. Kate Blanchett. Uh-huh. That's so good. What is this backflip scene where she's fighting an ice troll? Why? What is? <laughs> and like the way that they handle hobbits, but not really hobbits, is like I'm not a lore guy, but like I understand why lore people are annoyed about that. Uh, the Harfoots who who mm-hmm. occupy one entire plot in this show, uh, mm-hmm. and one of the Harfoots discovering a giant man, um, are Is that the Gandalf. By the way, or what's going on there? That's a theory. That's a theory. Okay, okay, okay. okay. We don't know yet. They are not hobbits, but they are like base. They're like, they're like fucking... a precursor race or something. Yeah, like they yeah. just they will probably some of them will go on and evolve into hobbits, but they're fundamentally different because it's like they travel instead of hunkering down into bunkers. But, like, they are just... Like, the girl looks like Elijah Wood, you guys. You did that on purpose. Yeah, right. So, right. like, the show needs to be... Aware. Like, this show is referencing Lord of the Rings, the movies, in, like, somewhat more subtle ways and somewhat more annoying ways than House of the Dragon references Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because 
it's like, guys, I know what Galadriel's going to go on to do. Like, I know what Sauron, that Sauron's going to come back. So, like, why are you making people go, like, is Sauron going to come back? I don't know. And it's like, guys, obviously he is. That's how this works. And so you, it's kind of this, like, dramatic irony that I didn't find particularly exciting. Um, But there is, like, there's light, you know. When, when Galadriel in the first episode goes on the boat and there's a bunch of light, that's light. <laughs> then she gets off. I I described the plot of the first like couple episodes to a friend uh to a friend of mine who likes fantasy very much. Mm-hmm. And she was like, That sounds amazing. Like that sounds so interesting. It sounds so chaotic and weird. And I was like, Yeah, it's like the most boring show I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, How? I'm like, I don't know. If I read it to you on paper, what's happening? It sounds bananas. There's so well, many weird that's things. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying, is like reading the wiki is awesome. Yeah. If I just told you what happened, you'd be like, huh, neat, interesting. But looking at it on screen, I I got so sleepy, so sleepy watching it. Yeah. The episodes are just too long. They really are. Each one's over an hour long. It's the problem with streaming TV is that we've given everybody the pass to go over 45 and zip past an hour now. And it's like, I know you have a lot to tell us. There's like six storylines, but like maybe just. I don't want to watch a 67 minute episode of a show that's like episode three or something. I'll say this Uh, Rings of Power comes out on Fridays. Um, House of the Dragon comes out on Sundays. I find myself Mm -hmm. wanting to watch House of the Dragon like on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rings of Power, I can only watch if I have nothing else going on that night. Like it just eats an evening. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching it, I'm caught up. Um, But. I don't know why I'm caught up sometimes. Like I kind of am caught up just because out of momentum and that makes me sad. Mm. But like, I don't know. That's our take right now from the pilot, especially. Yeah. So, Yeah. Can I, can I go down just a couple of the plot lines? So maybe we can see if people are like, wow, that does sound really cool. Yeah. I'm curious. Galadriel knows that there is that Sauron's probably going to come back. She's trying right. to go figure that out. And then the elf people are like, no, he, it's probably fine. You should go back. You should go to elf heaven. Which is to yeah. the west of Elfworld. Which I will, I will say, the one thing that was most affecting to me, and I thought it was actually like pretty metal, is Galadriel <laughs> staring in the face of Elf Heaven and saying, "No, fuck that," and then jumping fuck the water. I'm gonna go find the evil bad guy and yes, kill him. I was like, yeah. hell yeah. So Galadriel is awesome. Maybe the best character on the show right now. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I like the Dwarf King. Have you met the Dwarf King yet? Duran, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw this. He's in the second episode. He's a thotty. He's cute. And uh, Elrond? Stupid. Elrond? Elrond? Is that his name? Yeah. I think he's pretty good, too. I think the guy's doing a good job as Elrond. He reacts super well. He's got an interesting face, also. I like his face. Yeah. Like, all that stuff. The three of them, I'm actually, I think it's a good show. And then there are like all these random other characters where it's like, what? What? Who? Wait, who are you again? You're like in love with each other or something? You're in the woods? Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? What? Tell me the plot. Elrond is uh, worried about Galadriel going to fight to find Sauron. Meanwhile, his uh, uncle, grandfather, something, Celebrimbor, is like, I need you to help me build a forge. And then I whisper to the camera, he's going to build the forge that makes the rings of power, you guys. That's what that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious. It's another example of like bad dramatic irony. It's like, I know. Thank you. for it's, That's what's going to happen. Why are we waiting for that? Like, it's going to be a huge twist. Um, the Harfoots are on their uh, journey. And a Harfoot whose name I can't remember. Well, let me actually do the work and remember her name. 
uh, or look up her name rather. The main Harfoot girl and her friend discover see a, a falling star, and out of it comes a gigantic naked man, and uh, he is magical. He can control fireflies, and he seems to want to go visit a star. Uh, people online are suspecting he's probably Gandalf because Gandalf was a giant, and he's really old. Her name is Nori. Nori Brandyfoot is the character I'm talking about. That's really all that's going on with that one. It's kind of doing a like like a coming of age story where like her family doesn't know about the the guy and then they do and then they he mm-hmm. joins them but like we don't we still don't know where that's going. That's going to be a like season long plot. It doesn't take up that much time though, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's the Harfoots. Uh over down in the Southlands, we have Aaron Deer who's the like really hot elf who's a archer. Um, mm-hmm. he has a friend who's a healer named Bronwyn and the two of them are like dating, but not dating. They like each other, but they disagree on certain things. Her son, uh, Theo finds a hilt that has Sauron's symbol on it. And people are suspecting that he, Sauron needs a human, uh, host to come back. That's like a thing. You have to come into this understanding. They don't really get into it much in the show. People think okay. it might be Theo. They might think it might be uh, Aaron Deer, the Hawkeye. They think it might. It could be like 8,000 people. It could even be one of the people that Galadriel goes to visit. That There's I all see. this stuff. I see. Okay. Um. So he's, I don't want to, what I'm describing, I don't want to go beyond just the pilot because I know we're still technically in pilot territory. Um, no, we can go beyond the pilot. Okay. At this point, we're talking beyond the pilot. Yes. Yeah. Galadriel jumps off the boat. She uh, lands on uh, some beached like rocks and then meets a guy who's a former prince. And he's like, come to this country with me. But they hate elves in the country. They're about to kick her out. And then she's like, I think the world's going to end. The queen of that place has a scrying orb that says, yeah, the world is going to end. Our our, our nation is going <laughs> to get flooded. This does sound awesome. Doesn't it sound so good? And it's the most <laughs> boring shit in the world. Why? It sounds so good. It's just an, it's a it's a factor of like writing like conceiving of a world and then writing a story in it are two different They're two tasks. different things definitely completely definitely. completely. 100%. Um, so this crying orb is like, oh, there's gonna be a flood that's gonna flood your entire country. We, the Lord of the Rings fans, know that that country is gonna be flooded. So she's mm-hmm. like, maybe we'll start an exodus or something, and we will work with the elves potentially, even though we hate the elves. There's a king, his son is on a boat. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. The guy on the <laughs> boat is important, probably. That's most of that. I think that's, that can't be everything. I feel like I'm missing an entire thing. No, it might what's be that, it. The dwarves are doing something? See, yeah, so, so Elrond is going to the dwarves to uh, ask them to help him build a forge. The main dwarf is like, I haven't seen you in 20 years. And for elves, that's nothing. But for me, that was mo- my whole adult life. So, like, that sucks. I love their relationship. And, like, the dwarf guy has, a, like, a really cool wife. The three of them have some good conversations. Uh, Elrond is looking into this, and he finds out that the dwarves are mining mithril, um, right. which is what they will eventually use. To, I think it's what they use to make the ring or something. It's a really important metal, and it's another example of bad dramatic irony where all he says is, like, I think it's called mithril or something. And then Elrond goes, no, it's mithril. And you're like... Huh. This show do- really wants you to have watched Lord of the Rings, actually. Uh-huh. And I find myself constantly reading recaps every week going, why did that matter again? Mm-hmm. Did you know where the where the dwarves are? They're in Khazad-dûm? They're in the side of a mountain? Yeah. Do you Is know that what... Khazad-dûm becomes Mount Doom, doesn't it? No, it becomes the Mines of Moria where the Balrog is. Oh, because that's the other thing is they're like they're digging in Mithril and they're probably going to dig up the Balrog. Correct. That's right. Uh-huh. 
That's so, yeah, more dramatic irony for things that you have to know going into the fucking. <sighs> I mean, I, I heard the name Kaza Doom. I was like, oh, I've heard that before. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, wow. Because they've got this like intricate, elaborate dwarven society Series here. Tunnels, yeah. That all and gets you... destroyed when the baller gets unleashed. Right. Um, Aaron Deer and Bronwyn's plotline is potentially interesting. Aaron Deer gets captured by the orcs. Um, oh no, there's actually orcs. He almost escapes. He's like, oh my god, we're in like a wasteland. The Southlands have been already ruined by uh, the orcs. I guess we, it's been to, like the battle's already starting. Turns out the leader of these orcs is an elf. They talk in Elven for a bit. Um, and the guy's like, hey, Sauron's coming back. I might be his host. You might be his host. And our Aaron Deer's like, I can't be his host. I'm way too hot to do that. And the kid still has the hilt that he discovers if he puts his blood into it, turns into a big sword. It's not that exciting. Okay. Okay. Oh, cool. That's basically Rings of Power. And then, like I said, yeah, the Harfoots plot has gone nowhere. Every week they do, like, one thing with it, and then they straight up skipped it in episode four. So it's on pause. Hmm. Okay. It, but but because he has magic and he looks like Gandalf, people are, like, 75% sure that's Gandalf. Hmm. Eh. Eh. I'm, I'm disappointed in it, honestly. I want to like it a lot more. I'm going to keep watching it, though. Yeah. I think you should... You sh- I want you to come with me on this. I want to be able to come back to part two and say we actually watch Rings yeah, of Power. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the rest of it. And I want us to be. I hope we can come back and be like, okay, they they figured it out. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I watched House of the Dragon and I was like, okay, you've set up a great basis. Now let's do some conflict. I know you. I be- I trust that you can do that. And with this, I'm like, I don't trust that you can do this. I don't know if you can actually pull it back. So. Yeah. Yeah. I. There are definitely moments that engaged me. Like it wasn't like a complete snooze fest. I was watching it on the train and my girlfriend was with me on the train and she was watching over my shoulder with the subtitles on. And then at one point she was like, can I just have a headphone? And, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was like a, the middle of episode two out of context and we got kind of engrossed in it because yeah. like it, you know, it's. A TV show that they put a lot of money into and it looks nice sometimes and the performances are good and it's like a fantasy world and stuff. So it like accomplishes a sort of like base level. This is a high fantasy show type of Uh thing. I hope they can rise above that and do something interesting. But I don't have a lot of confidence that they will. I just want to watch more Galadriel being cool. That's yeah. mostly what I want. Me too. I think Elrond talking to the dwarves is still fun, even though it's all dramatic irony. It it's a like it's it's a great ad for the wiki. It's also a great ad for the movies. Just watch the movies. There are three of them. You can watch the shorter or the long versions. You can read the books, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they're just done. They start and end a story. You already know yeah. how it's going to end, and that's and yet it's still exciting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was I was bummed out by it, but. Yeah. I definitely liked House of the Dragon a lot. Yeah, me too. So, that's what I got. Any stray notes on uh, Rings of Power? <laughs> uh, no. It is. I, I do want to look up more stuff on the wiki. It honestly made me want to pick up that copy of the first book and just fucking dive in, start from zero. Uh, I don't know. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I literally wish I had more to say, but I don't. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, we can uh, we can wrap it here, and we'll be back um next month yep next month at the beginning of november to talk to you about 
uh, how these shows wrap up. Between now and then, next week, next Sunday, you're going to be getting an episode of Trek Chats, Trek Chats 3, our coverage of the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation, which is exciting. Mm. The following Sunday, we will be re-releasing the pilot chats of Sense8, because Sense8 will then begin the Sunday after that, October 23rd, and that'll be our season 15. Um, So we're still in this kind of in-between time where we're doing a couple fun things, ramping up to a new season, and then uh, you can jump on with us season 15 starting on uh, October 23rd with Sense8. Fantastic. Yeah. Alan, where can people listen to you on other shows? Um, my main other show is The Hunter's Quorum, which is a podcast where my friend Six and I talk about the monsters from Monster Hunter, the video games. Um, and we also have rated and discussed Pokemon, all 800 plus of them on there. So uh, it's a pretty long feed. It's a lot of fun. Good comedy stuff over there. I'm also on Talking Marketing, which is a bi-monthly marketing podcast that I host as part of my volunteer job with the American Marketing Association in Boston. And we interview marketing professionals, and uh, I have queued up several episodes to air for the next couple of days, for the next couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, you can check that out wherever you listen to podcasts, both of those, uh, The Hunter's Quorum and Talking Marketing. What about you? You can hear me on another podcast that is a video game book club called Super Smash Echoes. I host it with my friend Justin. And every month or so, we play a game related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise or the characters within it. And we talk about it, and it's a fun time. Super Smash Echoes, check it out. Meowth. Meowth. That brings us to our plug zone, folks. If you would like to email us questions, comments, concerns, and tell us that we're wrong about the Rings of Power, uh, chatzpod at gmail.com. That's chatspod at gmail.com. We're also at chatspod on Twitter, where you can get updates on Should You Watch, as well as our, as our main feed show, which is Chats the Television Podcast, sort of a weekly TV book club. And we have a subreddit. It's our chatspod. Um, if you want to see community-run updates about the show, you can rate us on all of your podcast platforms of choice. We highly encourage you to do that if you like chats. And if you are discovering us via YouTube, uh, thank you for being here. And also, um, give us a subscribe. Leave a comment if you have thoughts. Uh, and also, yeah, rate us on you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you can find us. If you'd like to support us financially and you want to hear more of our conversations, we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash chatspod. Uh, where at one, three, and five dollars a month, you get different tiers of content, such as bonus content like Magellan talks about the X Files. We talk to each other about whatever we want. We talk, we do a commentary over movies that are voted on by you, the patrons. Uh, sometimes we pilot shows and then we do a whole season about them. It's a lot of fun. And if you are a five dollar patron or more, then you get thanked at the end of every main feed episode of Chats, which this is. So, that being said, thank you to Arthur, Jen, Justin, Cat, Lee. Magellan's mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, and Stefan. Thank you guys for supporting Chats. We really appreciate you. All things Chats can be found at chatspod.com. And uh, if you like our main feed art, that is done by Camilla. She can be found at Camillastrator on all of the social media. And if you want to um, uh, commission her to do art for you, that's where you can find her work. That's what we have, folks, for now. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Should You Watch? And thank you to Magellan for being the, hmm, I don't want to say the Damon to my Rhaenyra because that's really fraught. Thank you for being the Alicent to my Rhaenyra. That's gay. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's what I call queer baiting. (laughs) 
<laughs> thank you for being the Owls and Samara Nira, and thank you all very much for listening to Should You Watch, where you should probably be watching.